It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. In Russell Wilson's much-anticipated return to Lumen Field, the Seahawks played spoiler. I'm going to be breaking down Seattle's clutch week one victory on Monday Night Football on this post-game podcast on Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12s. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Thanks to all the 12s out there for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. The Seahawks came into their Monday night season opener against Russell Wilson and the Broncos as six-and-a-half-point underdogs. But at the end of the day, that did not matter. Pete Carroll and company getting the clutch 17-16 to low-scoring victory to send Russell Wilson back to Denver with the loss. The defense coming through with a number of clutch plays, particularly in the red zone. Geno Smith dishing. I'm going to be breaking down all the key takeaways from tonight's game, dishing out some game balls. And, of course, three up, three down, as we do each and every week in our post-game show. Let's get to the coverage here. The Seahawks came into this game Fairly heavy underdogs entering the post-Russell Wilson era get to start off against their former quarterback. That was the main storyline going into this game. How are Seahawks fans going to receive Russell Wilson? How well is he going to play in his first game back at Lumen Field in his new uniform, playing a new offense for Denver? And, of course, that was the big storyline all game long. Seahawks fans dishing out mostly boos for their former star quarterback in his return. But, really, this game was all about how the other quarterback was playing, and that's Geno Smith. You look at the numbers in this game. Geno Smith, 23 for 28, two touchdowns, no interceptions, 195 passing yards. That might not seem like a lot compared to Russell Wilson's 340, but he had – One additional touchdown, a better quarterback rating, also added 14 rushing yards on the ground. Maybe that's the thing that jumps out to me from this game. Russell Wilson, only two rushing yards for the Broncos. Not really a big part of his game at all here. He did scramble some. There were some plays that he was able to extend with his legs and then throw the ball downfield to his receivers and tight ends. He was able to do that quite frequently in this football game. But at the end of the day, Geno Smith was the more efficient quarterback in this contest, was able to finish off one more drive with a touchdown than what Russell Wilson did. That one point ended up being the difference in this game. There were a number of plays that could have gone either way for both teams that would have changed the outcome, particularly the red zone, where that's really the big storyline of this game. Quarterbacks, you're going to talk about them plenty coming out of this game. How well Geno Smith played given the circumstances. Russell Wilson's been getting all the attention, and for him to go out and play the way he did, completing his first 13 passes, that deserves to be talked about. But at the end of the day, this matchup was all about the way that the Seahawks' defense was able to play inside the red zone in this contest. There were three times in the second half the Denver Broncos were able to get inside the 10-yard line of their opponents and had a chance to score touchdowns, and they were denied on all three of those drives. And the first two in the third quarter, 
the Seahawks were in a situation where they were back down to their three or further inside to the goal line. And typically in those situations, you're going to give up a high percentage of touchdowns. And yet they forced not one, but two fumbles in the third quarter. First one coming from Quandre Diggs on a fourth and goal situation, getting his helmet on the football, knocking it out of Melvin Gordon's hands. Didn't have possession, fumbled it. And the Seahawks were able to recover it. Mike Jackson, the corner, recovering, returning it out to the 10-yard line. And then the other one, the very next possession, after the Seahawks had fumbled it right back to the Broncos, the defense, again, does not cave in at the goal line. They get another fumble, this time by Javante Williams. This one coming courtesy of Yuchenna Nwosu, who had a fantastic game for the Seahawks in his first regular season game playing in front of the 12s, really stuffed the stat sheet, but knocked the football out with his hands, recovered again by Mike Jackson. He recovered both on this one in the end zone to turn the Broncos away with no points. And then in the fourth quarter, you flip to the north end zone where there's been so many chaotic plays over the years in the Pete Carroll era. And that drama, of course, maintained tonight in the Monday night football clash between the Seahawks and Broncos. The Broncos inside the three-yard line have first and goal, and yet they don't score a touchdown. They're a false start, pushing them back to the eight-yard line. Shelby Harris, two plays later, gets the quarterback hit against his former team to force incompletion. Brandon McManus comes on and kicks the field goal, and it's still a one-point game for the Seahawks leading. And so Denver had multiple opportunities. They had no issues moving the football in this game, and yet – it didn't really matter at the end of the day because the Seahawks defense kept coming up with big stop after big stop after big stop and ended up limiting the Broncos to just one touchdown in this game. They got a long touchdown for Russell Wilson to Jerry Judy in the first half with Kobe Bryant playing in coverage. And otherwise, they were held out of the end zone. There were opportunities, but they had penalties. The Seahawks came up with big clutch plays, forcing those turnovers inside the 10-yard line. That's not something you can count on week in, week out. The Seahawks are going to have to do a better job against San Francisco this upcoming weekend of getting off the field before they end up in the red zone. There will be other teams that will be able to punch the ball into the end zone. Denver just couldn't do it tonight. And the Seahawks were the better team overall. They made a few less mistakes than what their opponent did. And that only was the difference in as tight of a game as you can have. This was really an instant classic. It lived up to the hype. And credit to the 12s. Before we get into the next quarter talking about game balls, the 12s deserve a game ball. This was the loudest that I heard Lumen Field probably since maybe the 2019 finale against the 49ers. Marshawn Lynch coming back for that game. NFC West championship game against the 49ers came up just short an index card away from being the end zone for Jacob Hollister. That's maybe the last game that's comparable for me from a noise standpoint in the press box. Maybe this one was louder. This felt like a 2012 to 2015 game for the 12s. And so they brought it. They made life tough for the Broncos and Russell Wilson, three false starts. They had two delays, uh, two delayed game penalties as well. So the crowd was factoring in and making life very difficult for the opposing offense. And Russell Wilson, the last 10 years, didn't have to worry about that when he was playing quarterback at Lumen Field. Certainly that was an issue with a silent count trying to run an offense. They were getting up the line quickly. And in the end, 
they just weren't able to make enough plays. The Seahawks were able to do so on defense, on offense, getting the two touchdowns, Geno Smith coming through, and that allows them to get the big Monday night football victory. And as things stand, it's only been one week, but the Seahawks are in first place in the NFC West by themselves, the only team in the division to win this weekend. The 49ers losing to the Bears in rainy Chicago, the Cardinals getting stomped by the Chiefs, and the Rams falling flat against the Buffalo Bills in Thursday's opener. Seahawks were easily the most impressive team from the division. Again, it's one week. Next week could be a very difficult game going down to Santa Clara to play against the 49ers, who were coming off that tough loss in Chicago. They were up 10 nothing, ended up losing 19-10 to in that game. So they're going to be looking for some revenge to get into the win column for the first time. Things are not going to get easier, but certainly a statement win for the Seahawks against a Broncos team that many think is going to be contending for the AFC West Championship, and that is a tough division, maybe the best division in football with a loaded Chargers team, the Raiders, and of course Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs proving to everyone this weekend they're not going anywhere as far as being a Super Bowl contender. They're going to be right in the mix in the AFC with Patrick Mahomes running the show and all the weapons that he has around him. So a really good start for the Seahawks going out and getting this win at Lumen Field. Now they have to show that they can do that consistently, and maybe they'll be able to silence some of those doubters. It's just one game. You rack up a couple wins in a row, and maybe the narrative starts to change a little bit. But for now, that's not where things stand. We're going to get to our game balls here in a moment on our Locked on Seahawks post-game podcast. When I proposed to my wife at Cannon Beach on the Oregon coast, I hate to admit it, but I bobbled the ring as I pulled it out of the box and nearly dropped it into the Pacific Ocean off a rock. It was an embarrassing situation, almost a life-altering, incredibly expensive disaster. I had several onlookers watching in a crowded tourist destination. This could have been an absolute nightmare for me. Here's a lesson. You don't want to be that guy, and you certainly don't want it splattered all over the internet. The guys at Brightco Jewelry Insurance will make sure you get a replacement for the full value of that ring, no matter if it's lost, stolen, or you just can't figure out what happened to it. So go to bright.co forward slash locked on. It's the fastest, easiest, and cheapest way to cover your butt with the best jewelry insurance in the business. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're listening to the week one postgame podcast of Locked On Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith, the Seahawks pulling up the home Upset over the Denver Broncos and Russell Wilson tonight, 17-16, to a low-scoring defensive affair. I believe Rob Rang and I both predicted that's how things were going to play out earlier this week on Locked on Seahawks, and that's exactly how things transpired. Both offenses had issues with finishing drives, particularly the Denver Broncos with all the goal line and red zone issues they had in this game came back to bite them as Seattle holds on for the one-point victory. Let's get to our game balls for the week. And on offense, this one is a really easy pick on offense for the Seattle Seahawks. On the offensive side of the football, Geno Smith coming in with the game ball. And Geno, what a performance that he put out today for the Seahawks. 
his first week one start in eight years when he was with the New York Jets. That's the last time that he was the starter full time for a team. What a journey it has been for him to get to this point and to go out and complete his first 13 passes. And, you know, I think getting off to a fast start, it's always key in NFL games. But when you're playing against the quarterback that you backed up the last three years, a player like Russell Wilson, who was one of the very best in the business at what he does, a nine-time Pro Bowler. I think it's especially important to get off to a fast start. And Geno Smith couldn't have done any better than what he did, 13 for 13 to start the game. That's the third quarterback in week one to do that since 1990. Only Hall of Famer Jim Kelly and Washington State's own Gardner Minshew accomplished that in week one since 1990. Very few times that has happened. So for Geno Smith to come out and just wheeling and dealing it, he wasn't just dumping it off to his running backs for three or four yard completions. He made some pretty difficult throws at his first touchdown. He emulated the quarterback on the other sideline, looked very much like Russell Wilson, evading pressure, getting out of a sack, stepping up and then throwing a pop pass to Will Disley, who ended up sneaking out wide open. No defender in the same zip code gets a 38 yard touchdown. A couple drives later, Geno Smith again taking advantage of his tight ends. Made a really nice throw to Marquise Goodwin on third down along the sideline and then hit Colby Parkinson on back-to-back throws for first downs and a touchdown, a 25-yarder on a seam route. Saw the safety, was not in position to make a play, lofted it over the linebacker Jonas Griffith, a perfect throw in. The Seahawks had game planned that coming into this game. They wanted to get the tight ends to football, so at that point the Seahawks were able to expand their lead those two touchdowns proved crucial. Again, the Broncos only getting in the end zone once. Geno finished the game 23 for 28, a QB rating above 110, and most importantly, did not turn the football over. And that's what the Seahawks are going to be counting on from him this year above all else. Take care of the football, run the offense, distribute. He got the ball to eight receivers in the first half alone. So he was doing a really good job of getting it to different receivers all over the field, tight ends, running backs, getting involved. It was an impressive display from Geno Smith. So pretty easy selection for the offensive game ball recipient, one of the better games of his career, and he's hoping to maintain that momentum and maybe, just maybe, keep the Seahawks winning football games here moving forward after a pretty impressive first performance. Let's go to the defensive side of the football. Jenna Nuosu playing in his first regular season game with the Seattle Seahawks. There were a few players that I considered for this one. Maybe Mike Jackson would have made some sense when you consider that he recovered both the fumbles in the red zone. Quandre Diggs forced one of those, but he let an interception slip through his hand. So can't necessarily give him the game ball with that missed opportunity, but it just felt like every time that the Seahawks needed a big play today, Uchenna Nwosu came up with it for them. He came through in the clutch, and he talked about it after the game, how much he was feeding off the crowd. This was his first chance to truly play in front of the 12s. Preseason games don't count. That second preseason game against the Bears – the crowd was not overly loud. It was a preseason game. But tonight, the stakes were raised with Russell Wilson in town, and the 12 stepped up. And Uchenna Nuosu, among all those other pass rushers Seattle has, he's the one that seemed to thrive off of that the most, was able to get really good jumps off the snap, and was causing problems for Garrett Bowles, the Broncos' left tackle, all night long. He was physical against the run. 
made the first sack against Russell Wilson in this game, chasing him down from behind. Thought he had a second sack, but Russell Wilson was able to get past the line of scrimmage. So the stat keepers only counted one of those as a sack. He said after the game, jokingly, that maybe he needs to talk to somebody about that. But he had two tackles for loss. He forced that fumble down at the goal line. And I want to give a shout out to Al Woods on that play, too, because Al Woods is not going to get the game ball here. But maybe he gets to grab a hold of the game ball briefly just because he had a big bearing on that fumble that Achenuosu forced. He blew up his blocker across from him, down by the goal line, back into the running back, and then the running back ran towards Nuosu. He punched the ball out, and the rest is history. Mike Jackson recovers the end zone, and the Broncos again turned away, second time in the quarter with no points because a running back fumbled the football. Nuosu was the complete package. In this game, he was rushing the passer with speed, with power. He was physical against the run. He was pursuing the football all over the place, forcing fumbles. You name it. Chenna Nuosu did everything for the Seahawks today at the outside linebacker position. You can see why the team was so excited to be able to sign him in free agency. Really seems like a great fit for the 3-4 defensive scheme, the hybrid scheme they're running. He can play as a base defensive end as well. Saw some snaps with his hand in the dirt in this game. So a really exciting first game for him. And I think he was the MVP on defense for the Seahawks. Caused a lot of problems for Russell Wilson. Was able to get after him, create a number of pressures, and really was one of the stoutest run defenders for the Seahawks up in the trenches. They had some issues with Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon in this game, but Nuosu was able to make several stops against the run to go with his pass rushing chops. Again, pretty outstanding first performance for him. Seahawks should be excited about that. And on special teams, last but not least, I thought that this was one of the big X factors in this game. When you're talking about a one-point contest, the third phase of the game, is absolutely critical. And the Seahawks were so poor during the preseason on special teams. A lot of people were really concerned going into the regular season. But as Pete Carroll pointed out, this team had a lot of different guys playing on special teams in the preseason than what they did tonight. And they had the guys they really wanted out there, a lot of their guys that are considered starter caliber players playing on special teams. Travis Homer and DJ Dallas, I'm going to have them split the game balls here. Jason Myers made his field goals, so maybe Myers could have been a consideration as well. But seeing Travis Homer and DJ Dallas, these two guys have been consistently cogs on special teams ever since they arrived as draft picks out of Miami. They both are exactly what Pete Carroll and company are looking for. They're selfless players that will do whatever is asked of them. They're really good tacklers. They can return kicks. They can block. You name it. They do whatever you need them to do on special teams. And Dallas had a couple nice kick returns. There was one I thought he might break, but wasn't able to get past the 32-yard line, but had some good bursts, made some good reads on his blocks. He does a nice job of setting up his blocks and, and working off of them. So that's why he has maintained that job. He also made a really nice tackle and kick coverage where he blew up the returner. I don't know how he didn't see that lime green jersey coming at him, but he somehow did it. And then Travis Homer made another really nice tackle in kick coverage as well. So these two guys, they deserve kudos. Don't play a lot of snaps on offense. Rashad Penny got most of those snaps out of the backfield today. Travis Homer getting most of the others. In fact, I don't know that DJ Dallas played it on offense tonight, but those two guys were critical on special teams, and Seattle didn't make any mistakes in the third phase of the game. You had the missed field goal late by McManus, where he was put in a tough spot for the Broncos, asking him to make a 64-yarder to win the game. Had enough distance, but it was wide left. That one miscue really stands out when Seattle didn't make any mistakes on special teams in the game this close. 
Travis Homer and DJ Dallas getting the nod on the game balls today, making some really nice plays on kick and punt coverage, and also contributing as returners in the case of DJ Dallas. Kudos to both those guys for continuing to play well on the special team side of things. Up next, I'm going to get up to our three up, three down segment, which players showed out tonight, which players will be looking to bounce back in week two against the 49ers. Going to look at some offensive and defensive players in both categories coming up next here on our post-game podcast. As a diehard fantasy player, I'm rolling with Patrick Mahomes to throw for over 400 yards, Jonathan Taylor to amass three rushing touchdowns, and Tyler Lockett to snag 10 receptions in Week 2. Those might seem like bold leaps, but with prize picks, it's easy to play daily fantasy and put those entries to the test. Pick two to five players, and if they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. No competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. Prize Picks offers projections on any sport that you watch, whether it's NFL, NBA, MLB, college basketball, even disc golf. Entries can be made at 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Safe and fast withdrawals. Currently operational in over 30 states as well as Canada. Download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, Prize Picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, Prize Picks will give you $50. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on to sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast post-game edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Thanks to the 12s, as always, for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. The Seahawks couldn't have asked for a better performance in their season opener against the Denver Broncos, turning Russell Wilson away in his homecoming. Rude hosts at Lumen Field. The 12s were booing Wilson every time he took the field and certainly making life tough on the Broncos offense, creating a number of penalties, including three false starts and two delay of game penalties. And that was really a big story in this game that helped the Seahawks move to 1-0. And they're now in first place by themselves in the NFC West, even if it's for just one week that's better than I think a lot of people expect going this game with the Seahawks being six and a half point underdogs and most prognosticators expecting Russell Wilson to get the upper hand in this matchup at Lumen Field let's get to our three up three down series a lot of players to consider for the three up when you upset the Broncos at home but which players stood out let's get to our three up here And for our three up here, starting off, I'm going to go with a position group, the tight ends coming in here first. And I thought about putting Colby Parkinson by himself because this really was his breakout game for the Seahawks. Had two receptions on his touchdown drive, was able to show off his size, his athleticism, his soft hands, stretching the field vertically and horizontally. But you also got the 38-yard touchdown from Will Disley. And Noah Fant, he did not have the numbers today compared to the other tight ends. But you could see his involvement in the passing game. Had a couple nice blocks in the run game as well. This is something that Pete Carroll has been talking about since day one for the Seattle Seahawks in training camp, that they were fired up about this tight end group and 
we've heard it before. This is a group that they've tried to overhaul and bring in talented players. Greg Olson a couple of years ago, last year, Gerald Everett, his relationship with Shane Waldron. And there were some good points with Everett. Olson a lot less because he had injuries and he was getting to be an older player. Just seemed like he was at the end of the line, retired after the season. They really struggled to get their tight ends involved as they hope to in the passing game. Over the last several years, they haven't had a tight end go for more than 500 yards in a year since Jimmy Graham did it way back in 2017. So this has been a long-term issue for Seattle. And yet this game, with the Broncos having so much talent at the secondary positions, including Justin Simmons, one of the best safeties, if not the best safety in the NFL. The talent they've got back there in that secondary, the deep shots of the receivers were not going to be there. So as Geno Smith talked about after the game, they were highlighting the linebackers and the safeties to an extent and trying to get their tight ends involved in the passing game. It was a priority in their game plan, a masterful job game planning by Shane Waldron and executing it by Geno Smith and the tight ends. And they had almost 100 receiving yards, the trio, in this football game. If they can get close to that kind of production, they're not going to get that every single week. There's going to be weeks where DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are able to put up much better numbers than they did tonight. But if you can consistently get solid contributions from this group of tight ends in the passing game and they can run block fairly well, especially if you can get those type of contributions from Kobe Parkinson, who came into the league with that viewed as a weakness in his game, that is going to be a big boost to this offense with Geno Smith under center and running Shane Waldron's offense the way that he envisions it. I don't think they necessarily were able to do that last year with Russell Wilson because his strengths and weaknesses are a little bit different than somebody like Geno Smith. You've got to see what the potential is offense is tonight, getting tight ends involved. Now figure out how you can get your receivers, your superstar high price receivers more involved moving forward. And this passing game has a chance to be a lot better than I think most people anticipated. Up next, going to the secondary, Mike Jackson. I didn't give him a defensive game ball, but he deserves some props for his play in the secondary. This was Mike Jackson's first career start in the NFL. In fact, he had only played in five NFL games before tonight. And so he has very limited experience coming into this game. I thought Sidney Jones was going to start, even though Mike Jackson was listed on their unofficial depth chart. And yet they rolled with Mike Jackson this game. And you maybe can see some nerves out there. He missed a few tackles early in the contest, and he wasn't missing tackles during the preseason. Pete Carroll talked about it after the game. Hey, that's not the Mike Jackson that we saw last month, and yet he was able to rebound from that, made some nice plays in coverage, had a couple big hits in the second half of the game, and, of course, the two fumble recoveries were critical in this game. Right place at right time, but also doing a really good job of getting those footballs. Recovering a fumble is not easy, particularly when you're in a crowded red zone, and yet Mike Jackson was able to do that. And so kudos to him. Continues to be a player that is excelling moving uh, moving around. They've used him at both cornerback spots. He can come up and he can hit you. He's got size. He's got length. He's got athleticism. Had a really good training camp, and so – Maybe he's going to start again in week two. We shall see. I think Sidney Jones is still getting worked back from a concussion, and he will start at some point. But Mike Jackson didn't do anything today to deter the Seahawks from starting him again against their division rivals next Sunday. And last but not least, Josh Jones. I, I want to make sure to mention this. We'll have more information hopefully tomorrow on the situation. But Jamal Adams suffering a serious knee injury in the second quarter, early in the second quarter of tonight's game. He had a really nice blitz through the A-gap, got to Russell Wilson and forced an incompletion. But at the end of the day, it did not matter because he got injured on that play. 
And nobody's going to remember that for the pressure. They're going to remember him getting up and having a difficult time getting off the field and then being carted off, couldn't put weight on his left leg. And after the game, Pete Carroll said it was a serious injury and that there was some quadriceps damage. So we don't know if this is season ending. It certainly did not sound good. So keeping that in mind, we'll have more on Jamal Adams once we have more information on the injury. Probably tomorrow there will be a lot more come to light, and we'll see how long he's going to be out and if he's going to potentially be back this season. Keeping in mind, he's going to miss extensive time regardless. Given the nature of his injury, Josh Jones deserves a lot of credit coming into the lineup, and this is a player that really has been a revelation since he arrived late last year. He played really well in his lone start playing for Jamal Adams and Ryan Neal in week 18 against the Arizona Cardinals. Had a pass breakup in that game, a bunch of tackles. Former second-round pick has really found a home in Seattle, and he's already playing sub-packages in diamond nickel as a third safety. He earned that spot. He's the reason Marquise Blair is no longer on this roster. He beat him out for his roster spot, and they still have Ryan Neal. He's passed Ryan Neal as their third safety. Now he is going to be your starter at that strong safety position and really played well tonight. Didn't give up any big pass plays, had seven tackles, made a couple really nice plays where he pursued receivers and brought them down, limiting yards after the catch. He's going to have to factor in playing near the box some. He is not going to replace Jamal Adams, not the same kind of player, but he's got the size to be able to play some in the box. He's played strong safety. He's played free safety, maybe a bit more natural back there than what Jamal Adams is. This is going to be his chance now. He has started a lot of games, more than 25 games in the NFL with the Packers, the Jaguars, and the Colts. So it's not like he hasn't started games, but he wasn't able to stick in any of those places. This is going to be a great opportunity for him to make himself some money as a free agent next year, maybe be in the Seahawks future plans because of Jamal Adams' durability issues. This is a big issue that Seattle's going to have to figure out moving forward with Adams, one of the highest-priced players in the NFL, the highest-priced safety up until recently top three paid safety in the NFL, the injury issues. But Josh Jones has a great opportunity in front of him, and he was able to play well tonight in this football game, and they're going to be counting on it moving forward. Now let's go to the three down. I hate to pick on DK Metcalf first because there were some nice plays for Metcalf, and when you have a victory, there's not as many negatives to highlight. But Metcalf had a few passes that were in his hands that he wasn't able to hold on to had a critical fumble in the third quarter. That was a promising drive for Seattle. They did not score any points in the second half. That first drive of the third quarter, though, Geno Smith ironically threw that first pass to DK Metcalf, and he showed strong hands with Sertan in coverage against him, was able to snag it for a 15-yard reception on third and 10, move the chains, very next play, unfortunately, tries to do a little too much, gets the football punched out of his hands. The Broncos recover. Momentum is back on Denver's side. They need their superstar receiver to play better than that. Only had seven catches in this game, was held under 50 yards. Some of that was Denver's defense, the talent they have in the secondary, the game plan, getting more tight ends involved against the linebackers. There were other factors at play, but they need more from their superstar receiver than what they got tonight. They can't have those mistakes. There were a couple of screens where he ended up going backwards. Just take the yardage that you've got in front of you. So they need their superstar to really step up. This was not a great first game for him with the new contract he's got in tow. Hopefully in week two he can bounce back, maybe a better matchup at the cornerback position across from as well to get some of those big plays downfield that simply were not there tonight. And up next on the offensive line, Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas both had really tough tasks. First regular season game, they're starting the NFL, the first 
a duo of rookie tackles to start in week one since 2009, just the third since 1970. It's really difficult to come in the league and play at a high level at the tackle positions. And I thought Charles Cross had a solid game. I'm not going to sit here and say that he played poorly, but in the second half, he had those rookie lumps, those learning moments that he and Abraham Lucas are both going to go through throughout this season. There's no way to avoid it. They are going to have to learn as they play. And Charles Cross had a really good first test here going against Bradley Chubb, who can win with speed. He can win with power. He can win with finesse, a really talented pass rusher that was a top 10 draft pick a few years back for a reason. And in the second half, he was able to take advantage of Cross's inexperience and to an extent, a lack of strength, a lack of play strength, was able to beat him with power once for a strip sack. Luckily, Cross was in the right spot to catch that ball after the fumble popped out. And then later in the game, gave up another sack. So they're going to need Charles Cross to learn from those mishaps end of this game, and it's not going to get any easier. Nick Bosa and company next weekend can have some really good pass rushers coming up the next several weeks. You're going to be playing those guys week in, week out. There's a lot of pass rushing talent in the NFL. So overall, not a bad debut necessarily for Charles Cross, but it's one that he's going to look at on tape, particularly the second half in pass protection. And There's a lot he's going to have to learn from technique-wise. His footwork was a little sloppy at times in pass pro. He's going to have to get back to the drawing board a little bit and learn from that, and he should. He's got a ton of talent as a top 10 pick, but certainly not the best debut. I thought Abraham Lucas looked a little bit better, a little more polished in pass protection tonight than his rookie counterpart. And last but not least here, again, another rookie. Don't want to pick on him, but Kobe Bryant, really difficult first game for him. And I would maybe even lump in Tariq Woolen to an extent here, but Woolen made some really nice plays tonight in his first NFL start. It was an up-and-down start for him. Kobe Bryant wasn't the starter at slot corner. They gave him some reps playing in nickel-dime sets, and he was able to recover against Jerry Judy on the 67-yard touchdown. He was initially beat pretty badly by the former first-round pick, but even after recovering, he was not able to turn and play the football quickly enough. The ball gets over the top of him, and then Judy's able to race to the end zone. That is a play just like with Charles Cross with the sacks. He's going to learn from that mishap, and this kid is going to be a really solid slot corner, I think eventually an outside corner in the NFL. He had a great training camp. Most of the preseason played well. He isn't going to have a lot of coverage mishaps like that one, but Russell Wilson is one of the best deep ball throwers in the league. Jerry Judy is a burner that can win downfield. It was unfortunately a situation where he just was not able to, once he had recovered, get turned quick enough to make a play on the football. So he's going to learn from that. He'll watch the film, but the Seahawks didn't give him a lot of snaps after that. He is going to have to earn those opportunities with Justin Coleman being in front of him. So not the best performance for him here if he's looking to steal some of those snaps and eventually become the slot corner. I think down the road he will do it. He will be the guy in that nickel position. Coleman gave up some passes tonight as well, but that certainly was not what he wanted to do in the season opener as a first impression against some talented receivers for Denver. So he's going to need to have a really good week of practice and try to position himself to get some more snaps and play better on Sunday against the 49ers. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can check out Locked on Seahawks. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and of course, streaming five days a week on YouTube. Coming up tomorrow on our Monday episode, I'll be rejoined by Rob Rang with some Monday musings, a deeper dive into everything that went down in tonight's season opening victory. Obviously, our Monday musing is going to be going to Tuesdays uh, with this being a Monday night football battle, but we're going to dive in with some 
more in-depth takeaways. And then we're going to be shifting our focus with a short week to the San Francisco 49ers first NFC West matchup of the 2022 season. You won't want to miss it. Thanks for listening in. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Go Hawks. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.